0: back here on sports talk and time to talk some baseball and some beer on the program like we always get the opportunity to do every wednesday first though i would like to wish three-year-old dario a very happy birthday dario's dad a big contributor on this program social media phones from time to time you know him as yys so three-year-old dario if you're listening Happy birthday, pal. Hope you have a great birthday. Um, if, if it's a, it could be a drive-by birthday, hopefully you get some cake, some ice cream, some good gifts, and you're all set and good to go. Appreciate you listening to the show today. All right. With that, Jay Jaffe is back with us talking baseball, talking beer at the end of the segment, as he always gets a chance to do here on the show. And, Jay... We've got some games going on right now. The Phillies are getting the better end of the Yankees, and they finally get a chance to to play after what's been a, a tough start for them. The Yankees have been red hot, and yet we have this uh, seven-inning doubleheader going on right now like we're used to in uh, the minor leagues, and this year because of the uh, pandemic, the majors get it. What's your thoughts on uh, the seven-inning doubles?
1: You know, I don't love it, um, but if I'm, you know, as long as it's contained this year, I, I, it doesn't really bother me. It's going to be a, you know, a struggle for Major League Baseball to try to get each team to 60 games uh, or close enough uh, uh, to 60 games. If, if you're going to have outages just like we've seen uh, uh, the Phillies and the Marlins and the Cardinals uh, uh, you have to have to go through for you know for the sake of player safety. Um, you know, I, I, it, it bothers me a lot less than the uh, the extra innings uh, runner on second rule, or um, uh, the extended playoff format with that best of three first round. Uh, those things I I, I'm, I I feel much more strongly about. Seven inning doubleheader. You know, I'm used to it in the minor leagues. I don't. It's it, it's it's uh, um, as a means of, of preserving pitchers' arms. Eh, you know, whatever. It's okay. I can't I can't get too wound up about it.
0: You know what's interesting though about seven versus nine. I wonder if that means that regulars are more inclined to play both games in a doubleheader rather than sit one out.
1: Yeah, I think that that might be the case. Um, you know, you're, there's, there's, there are, there 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 are some reasonable, uh, uh, I think, changes that c- that can come of that. Uh, um, you know, it's less time at the ballpark, maybe about ninety minutes less for everybody involved, including the support staff. So it's a lower risk, but. Uh, you're right. It may be easier for, for, for players to uh, to play the full thing. You know. Also, and we, now that we've got the doubleheader in the National League, you get you know you can get one guy even even more rest. And uh, uh, you know, with the roster sizes being expanded again, uh, now it's going to be it's going to be uh, 28 through the through the rest of the season um, after uh, 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 after a certain point. I, I think it's um, uh, it's not too big a deal.
0: I'll say this. It's been a fun start right now to the season. Uh, I think the only downside is, as expected, lots of injuries and tough injuries. The the injury to Mike Soroka was difficult to watch. Um, and knowing his Achilles is going to cost him the rest of his season. Uh, we've seen relievers now uh, blow out their arms for a potential Tommy John. Roboto Asuna is the latest in that. And we all kind of thought injuries would, would happen, but man, they've, they've come and they've come quickly
1: yeah i i think uh my uh my my uh uh friend eno saras who writes for the athletic former uh formerly at uh at fangrass uh, before i was there said something like uh in the first week of the season pitcher injuries were, were about five times what they were uh as of uh the first week of the season last year um you know the 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 ramp up the starting and stopping due to you know uh test results uh not coming in things like that um, I think there's there's any one of a number of reasons why um, uh, we're seeing more injuries. We're also seeing teams exercise more caution though uh starters aren't aren't pitching as deep into games. We've seen a lot of three four five inning starts even from the top pitchers as as uh, uh, they try to avoid uh uh, overloading their 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 best arms. Um but it's frustrating. I mean, you know, we just I, I just did a thing uh, about uh, Shohei Ohtani uh for today. Um you know, he 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 lasted at uh, uh less than two full innings in his two starts and now he's uh, done for the year at least on the mound uh due to a forearm strain and uh uh you know, the freak injuries like Mike Soroka obviously mm. uh, is a different story, but the arm injuries, it's really disheartening when you you know, when you see uh uh, somebody go down like that, and uh, we've lost some some big names uh, first in the spring uh, to Tommy John surgery. Guys like Syndergaard and Sale, uh, and now Justin Verlander, and uh, mm-hmm. um, you know it's, it's like last man standing.
0: It's exactly right, and it's a shame about Otani, and and the biggest shame is we really we just haven't had a chance to enjoy Otani pitching as much as as we've seen his hitting because he got hurt so early in his uh, in his in his American debut.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's been frustrating. I mean, you know, Otani had that great nine-start run in the beginning of 2018, and then he uh, uh, had a blister and, and uh, a UCL strain. And uh, since then, it's been all starts and stops. I mean, he's got a total of four innings under his belt uh, in three starts in, in uh, you know, what's more than two years. And I think it's fair to question whether, uh, you know, how, how long the Angels are going to persist in trying to keep him a two-way player. But I think so long as he wants to do it, I think it makes sense. I mean, this is a once-in-a-century talent that we're seeing, a guy who can put up uh, all-star caliber rate stats on both sides of the ball. So, um, you know, I, I still encourage the experiment, but uh, I can understand if the Angels or if he has uh, has had enough.
0: Rob Manfred gave an interview and he said that the health protocols that baseball has in place are working despite the outbreaks from the Marlins and the Cardinals. And I think when you hear about the players and what they did leading to those outbreaks, going to a casino and um, in, in the uh, sense uh, going out and just partying in, in Atlanta with the Marlins, um, you, you kind of understand um, the, you know, the do's and don'ts and hopefully – um, you know, the rest of baseball takes notice and, and they, they do their due diligence to try to keep an outbreak from happening the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, I, there is actually some question as to whether the the uh, what we'll call off-campus forays uh, to casinos and, 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 and nightclubs and whatever the rumors uh, that we've heard with regards to uh, both the Marlins and the Cardinals are actually the, the the sources of the outbreak. The contact tracing they've done suggests that uh, that that actually isn't the case, and and uh, um, you can understand the league's motives in in uh, in propagating those rumors. I'm a little bit a little bit more wary of them. Um, one of the one of the aspects I think that's been pointed to with the Marlins was that you know they weren't correctly social distancing when they were traveling, um, you know, and and uh, the, it's the getting together in the hotels and things like that. That's that's been a problem. Uh, I think the protocols. Um, you know they're they're looking to they're they're looking to tighten them up. I think the one that really fell under scrutiny was the definition of close contact. That's six feet for 15 minutes or more. Um, you know, which is which is how they started by defining you know who needed to be isolated uh, after the initial infections broke out, and that has proven to be in, inadequate. Uh, they need to tighten that up, and and this is all unfortunately it's a learning experience. Um, you know, I think teams need to keep a closer eye on their players. I think players need to take more individual responsibility, and need to do more self-policing. We've seen some teams uh, get more serious about it. The Dodgers, their players are all masking up in the dugout uh, now, which is not mandatory. I think it should be mandatory, but it's not mandatory. Um, we're seeing uh, the Cardinals say that they're going to uh, uh, be similarly stringent. Anybody who's not in the game is going to be sitting in the stands. Um you know there's just a t- teams need to be more careful and and uh uh you know I don't like the the, the high fives are, are a, a small thing but we're still seeing teams celebrate with high fives I watched the Dodgers last night after AJ Pollock hit a home run and they were doing you know these uh uh you know they were they were going through the motions of it but they were like 6 feet apart when they were doing their high fives so it wasn't actual contact but they were acting like it like it was and they were looking each other in the eye when they were doing it. I thought that was kind of fun it was like um, you know, a, a way for a way for players to still feel like they're connecting without actually uh, the the physical aspect of it. But uh, it's tough because you know these guys are creatures of habit, and and you know they want to celebrate the good times on the field, the good accomplishments, and and uh, uh, feel like a team. And that's one way you do it.
0: More with Jay as we keep things moving here uh, on Sports Talk. But first, uh, let's get right back to Adrian. He's standing by with a bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. Back with Jay Jaffe uh, from Fangraphs here as we continue on Sports Talk. Some bad news, Jay. Uh, Max Scherzer out after one inning today against the Mets. Throws twenty-seven pitches, leaves the game diminished velocity, and um, you know a lot of people are talking about how he could be hurt, and that's uh, another blow to one of the game's great pitchers.
1: Yeah, that's a bummer. Scherzer does unfortunately have a have a recent history of back and neck problems. We saw. Uh, uh, even in the World Series th- that it was an issue and and uh, uh, you know I worry that uh, um, you know that he's breaking down a little bit, not unlike Clayton Kershaw um, you know the uh, I hope it's I hope it's nothing more se- you know nothing more serious than than a bit of tightness, but i, I don't know this is the first I'm hearing about it. Uh, they also lost Steven Strasburg for a couple starts due to a nerve issue in his hand i th- I know he's working his way back. Um, it's you know it's like whack-a-mole with these with these pitcher injuries unfortunately right now
0: yeah it really is and again well if we get an update on that before the end of the radio hit with you we'll 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 give that out to people but man some really good arms uh going down and that's that has been rough but then again we've seen some really good performances this season to start off how about the rockies coming out of the gate eight out of their first ten
1: yeah you know it's i've i've i have to admit i've i've barely noticed them there's uh uh, but uh good on them to getting off to a good start. I mean this is a you know, a team that uh uh years ago was wild card material and they've taken some steps back. Um there there's you know, there's there's some talent there. I mean uh, obviously Trevor Surrey is, is 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 great as is Nolan Ironado. They're not really hitting much as a team, but uh, there's a nucleus of good pitchers there. Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland, uh Antonio Santatella and John gray have all been pitching very well and that really i think is the key for them uh if they can you know if they can keep that together if they can you know keep these guys in games uh i think they're going to be a playoff team
0: they've only given up 32 runs in 10 games that's not rockies like especially when you've spent 5 of your first 10 uh, playing at home of course
1: yeah i mean the pitchers in generally have, have been have been ahead of hitters uh, uh thus far this this year just despite the injuries um you know we've 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 seen that uh, so far but uh uh even so it, you know over the course of uh, 10 games it, it, you could you could see some strange stuff happening in terms of uh, who's on top and who's on the bottom I, I i would not have pegged the rockies for being 8 and 2 though but uh, good on them for for this they've had uh, some rough times over the
0: years hey what about the start of the uh, season that aaron judge is having right now with the yankees
1: oh man i, I wrote about that uh, uh a couple days ago he is pulling the ball regularly again uh, five of his six home runs were pulled. It wasn't until August twentieth of last year that he pulled a pulled a ball for a home run. He uses that short portion right field. He's a great whole field hitter. And actually, as we speak, he's up to bat right now in this Phillies game. Uh, down down eleven to four, but with two guys on base here in the uh, uh, in the seventh inning. But uh, uh, I think he's fully healed from that oblique injury that was that was dogging him last year. Um, just uh, he's a joy to watch when, when when he's healthy. I just hope he can stay on the field for the full season.
0: Yeah, that's the key, no doubt. And I think uh, with the Yankees eight and one start, it's really been um, offensively. You know, everybody's talking about Judge and and what he's been able to do, but you also look at uh, the start that Stanton's given you with. Two home runs, six RBIs, or is just picking up right where he left off. lemayhew has been terrific. Um, the one guy that is just a mystery right now is Gary Sanchez, who is batting oh eighty and two out of his first 25 so far this season.
1: Yeah, with 14 strikeouts, he's struck out in more than half of his plate appearances. I mean, you know, Sanchez is a guy who who unfortunately deals with a lot of, lot of lower body injuries, and I have to wonder if there's something going on there. Um, I know that he spent a lot of time both in the uh, spring training and in summer camp working on his defense too. Um, you know, maybe he's not, maybe he hasn't been focused enough on his offense. I haven't taken a close look. Um, you know, guys go through two for twenty-five slumps all the time during the season. We just tend not to notice them. Um, but when they're the beginning of the season, they sure do stand out like sore thumbs, and everybody wonders what's up. But he's not alone in in in, in, the, in, the, in the slow starts. Guys like Christian Yelich and Pete Alonzo, uh, uh, Pete Alonzo having. Uh, uh, slow starts after big, after big years. So um, I hope he comes around. I hope he's not hurt more than anything else.
0: You know, Jelic has been good for so long, you got to think that he'll snap out of it at some point. I wonder about Alonzo, though, because last year was his rookie season, and you always wonder about the sophomore slump. And, uh, you know, it's, it's probably tougher for guys like that to come out of it than, than experienced hitters that have been around a while.
1: Yeah, and the, you know the league, the league will adjust to you. Um, and you know the Mets, they're a team that's got some injuries right now. And I wonder if there's any kind of uh, uh, overcompensation going, guys pressing or whatever. But uh, uh, I think he'll be okay. He's taking his walks. Um, you know, he has not made good contact, but uh, uh, there might be something mechanical going on there. He's a the guy who's on my list. Oh boy! And it looks like Judge just hit another one. Um, wow. Yep, there it is. Uh, Did he pull it? Another another. Another another one pulled the left field, three-run homer, so uh, uh, there we go.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. I love it. Live play-by-play with Jay Jaffe here on Sports Talk. Uh, Craig Kimbrell has been a mess so far in the uh, cl- in the uh, Cubs' bullpen, but they're pitching well. They've, uh, they've won five in a row despite Kimbrell's struggles. They seem like Rowan Wick could take over as the new closer, and the Cubs are in first place right now
1: yeah their starting pitching has been has been phenomenal and uh um that, that's that's been a, a bit of a surprise. Tyler Chatwood who's been something of a free agent bust uh I think it's a, a, a new cutter he's working with and he's been lights out um, Kyle Hendricks is always generally pretty good uh John Lester has been great so far you Darvish has looked good so far um... they could be a really a, a really dangerous team now though, boy that that contract look you know is a disaster and and uh, mm-hmm. uh... he's been moving backwards really um ever since ever since about uh... two thousand sixteen uh... really kind of take a take a step back His two thousand seventeen was good but i've written before about <clears throat> about his decline he's just not uh... not near the the monster that he was uh... during his early years in 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 the league and uh... Um, sitting out half of last year and then coming back and injuries and underperformance. It's been frustrating for him, I'm sure, Uh, but uh, um, it's been frustrating for the Cubs, too. They just haven't gotten what they thought they were getting.
0: Two other teams uh, streaking that I want to mention before we get to your beer pick of the week. The Twins having won five in a row, leading the uh, Central 9-2 and two in the American League. But the White Sox have won six in a row, and they have rebounded from their slow start where their pitching was awful, and now they're at 7-4. and four.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the Twins, they're they are the division's powerhouse. That lineup, is, there's just not many places to hide in that lineup. And the funny thing is, they haven't really hit so far, and... Uh, I know Josh Donaldson's been been banged up, and uh, um, they've only really gotten production from a, from a few slots in the lineup. But uh, uh, the pitching has generally been pretty good. Uh, uh, Kenta Maeda, who I watched for so many years with the Dodgers, has turned out to be a nice acquisition for them. Uh, they've dealt with some injuries there. Uh, that bullpen has been very good, too. Um, as for the White Sox, this looked like the year that they were, they were going to turn the corner. They made some big free agent additions: Yasmani Grandal, uh, Edwin Encarnacion, uh, Dallas Keuchel. They've also got uh, some good young arms: Luis Giolito, I'm sorry, Lucas Giolito, uh, and uh, Luis Robert. Their 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 rookie uh, uh, center fielder has been sensational, and Eloy Jimenez and Johan Moncada have been great as well. They are a team that I think is is really poised. Uh, to be uh, a significant factor in the American League this year.
0: Let's wrap it up. Beer pick of the week. What would you like to talk about this week, Jay?
1: Okay, well, I splurged and got some other half, which I don't usually do, but they are delivering to to me, and it's a lot easier to do that than to go down to their place and stand in line for for their, uh, their wonderful releases. One of my favorites of theirs over the years has been their Hop Showers IPA, uh, which is generally a Citra uh, and Amarillo Hops. Um, really nice, bright IPA. Uh, this, uh, this time I had their Hop Deluge, which is kind of the, uh, uh, the Imperial version, uh, double dry hop, uh, grapefruit, uh, grapefruit rind, candied orange, and peach are the flavors that I really got out of. Just a really high-class IPA. Um, not generally widely available outside of New York, unfortunately, but, uh, uh, it was a real treat. Anytime you can have one of their beers, it's it's almost like a, an event.
0: Do you remember what it checked in at as far as an ABV?
1: I think the hot deluge is about eight point two percent. It's not uh, right. not a, not an easy not an easy uh, drinking beer. You got to mind your your uh, uh, your stuff with them. You're going to go one one beer to that, then switch to something lighter.
0: Are Citra IPAs among your favorite out there right yes, now? Yes,
1: I will. I, I love I love the Citra stuff. Um, uh, I like uh, there are a lot of good uh, uh, single single hop citras and a lot of a lot of good ones with citra and maybe one other hop. Uh, it really gives you that citrusy uh, taste that I think uh, I, I really associate with a nice summer beer.
0: Excellent. I don't know if you get Community Beer Company out there in New York, but they've got a citrus slice that is absolutely delicious. And, oh, nice!
1: Uh, I'll, I'll have to look for that. I, I, I've I've heard of them, but I don't think I've seen them around.
0: Okay, I was curious about that. Uh, they're based out of Dallas, and I know okay. they have pretty good distribution. But, yeah, it's the uh, it's their Citrus Slice, and I'm almost positive that it checks in somewhere in the 7 to 8 range. So uh, it'll be a fun one for you to enjoy if you can get it. But uh, definitely right. add that to the collection if you haven't had it already, Jay. Sounds great, Steve. Talk to you next week. Appreciate the time and the insight as always. Okay, great. Take care. From Jay Jaffe, you can follow on Twitter at j underscore Jaffe and check out at Fangraphs.com. Over to Stephanie Valle, ABC 7 News is next. Right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. 22 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. So excited about having uh, Jeff Erickson back with us. Baseball season has survived the... Breakouts from the Marlins and now the Cardinals. Yeah, we've got games that are postponed. We've got seven inning doubleheaders like what we just wrapped up with the Yankees um, and the Phillies. But baseball's still being played right now, and there's hope, Jeff. There's there's still hope that they can get through this whole thing.
2: Yeah, uh, and I, I think I saw that over the, the last like four or five days. There's been zero positive tests in baseball, so. You know, since you know the test, you know the Cardinals. All those. The last positive test was administered on Friday last week, uh, and I'm also reading a report too that su- suggested that uh, that early reported thing about uh, them hitting a casino was incorrect. Uh, so someone ran with the report without verifying it, and you know, in a way, that's kind of comforting. In a way, that it's. Just, I mean, in a way, it's kind of scary because like, okay, they got some other way that it came in, yeah. but you know. It's easy to want to blame, like, the rogue actor, but it's not always that easy.
0: No, that's true. I mean, if, if let's put it this way. It would have been a very nice story about the casino if that was the truth, because then you can absolutely point to it, but you know, you hope that the players will. will I, I think now, though, after what we've seen the first couple of weeks, I think players are taking this more seriously than anything else. I really do.
2: Yeah, and I think most of them were, but I think probably a few had to be scared straight. And missing games is a good way to do that, and especially if you're on a Marlin, a Philly, a Cardinal right now, and you've missed okay. seven games, then yeah, you're especially scared off by it, you know. And you know, it's you know, six teams were kind of all you know were affected already by this already. Uh, now the Tigers having to sit out while wow, this happened too, so it's it's super aggravating, but uh, you know. You know, we let, we started with a positive angle, and I turned it negative. So let, let's go back, focus back on the positive. Yeah, and it's, it's great being able to watch these games and knowing that every single game matters. It, it's, you know, and even seeing, like, the Marlins, who, you know, just won again. Uh, they, in fact, I don't think Baltimore scored a run against the Marlins. The Marlins haven't given up a run since this thing happened. So, you know, it's kind of wild that that's been that, been that way. Uh, we're uh, seeing some interesting stories.
0: We really are. And there's some great storylines early on this season. Guys that are just, you know, pitching out of their minds, hitting out of their minds. Judge has been unbelievable. Um, you know, and, and you look like he's really back where he was years ago, which is exciting for Yankee fans and fantasy owners. Um, and there's others that have been off to a great start. That Oscar Hernandez is on fire for Toronto to begin the season.
2: Yeah, bat at third yesterday. You know, he's kind of moving into an important spot in the order kind of taking some of their pressure maybe off of Vlad, which is helpful too. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's kind of neat to see that. Uh, and, yeah, he, he's, he's fun. We've seen a lot of these guys that, that are fun already. We saw Jesus Lizardo, uh make his first uh, start this year and really nice outing against the Rangers last night. You know, there, there's, there's fun things happening. You know, the Padres playing well as another one that's kind of cool to see.
0: It is. And uh, Luis Patino was just called up. And whether yep. it's the bullpen or the starting rotation, Padre fans are excited. It's interesting because, you know, Mackenzie Gore has been the guy that everybody's been talking about for years. And yet he didn't look as good in the summer uh, workouts when they were coming back in summer camp. And Patino has. And now he gets the first opportunity to really make, a, make his mark with the big club.
2: Yeah, and he has a little bit more experience at an upper level, too, so I think that kind of works in his favor. I actually gave him more of a projection than I gave Gore. I think we still see Gore this year also, but it's clear that you know it gives them a little bit of a shot in the arm, especially Emilio Pagan hasn't been quite what they expected, although, I mean, it is early still, but you know, this gives them another live arm in the back end of that
0: bullpen. Absolutely right. I just thought about something. Are we okay? So we've we've heard about the you know the Marlins and now the Cardinals and all these games being canceled. Are we if if there is a breakout at a minor league complex where the rest of the players are back in the pool? Will we ever find out about it, or will that be kept quiet?
2: I don't know. I can't answer that. But uh, I think report. You know, journalists want to report. So if you know, I, you know, I think it's going to be awfully difficult to keep things quiet. Uh, if it does, does happen that way, but frankly, that's a great question. And there's 30 facilities. You got to figure the odds are pretty good that one of them catches something, unless, unless you know everybody's so scared straight now that even the, t- the players at the minor league complexes are really uh, going to jump back on board. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we should be all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it is scary. I, I, I worry more about football, to be honest with you. I just think the the vast numbers are going to make that really difficult to prevent.
0: I agree. Football, look, the only sport that realistically has a shot is the NFL. And, w- and they could they could conceivably go into four different bubbles in each uh, of the divisions and, mm-hmm. and, and do it like that. They'd have to do it quick because the season's coming up fast. But, again, we're talking college football right now. One of our listeners asked us on Twitter if we think there's going to be a college football season. And even though they're still planning one, and to start here in about a month or so, five, six weeks, uh, Jeff, it's it's going to be so difficult when you. Really yeah, to
2: and I, I feel like the smaller conferences get hurt by this too. Uh, you know, there's the you know they don't have the TV contracts uh, to support the program as much. They need that. Uh, they need the gate more. They need the, the buy games. You know, where they go to a big conference. You know, they go to the SEC. They go the Big Twelve. Play that you know, that re- that revenue game. That's big for their budget. I, I think that's going to be difficult. We saw University of Connecticut today c- cancel their season. Uh, the first one. Now they had to play an independent schedule. That's part of it. Frankly, see, I don't understand why a conference game is inherently more safe. I, you're still traveling. I'm not really sure I understand that at all.
0: I don't either. I think the biggest problem with Connecticut is they they lost a lot of their games, didn't they? And that was they they didn't. I think they had no, eight or nine left.
2: Yeah. So, and it's hard to reschedule it. I get it. I get all that. Um, so I don't blame them, but I, I feel it's more like these conferences that said, "Oh, okay, well you're going to go to, uh, you're going to go to this uh, conference-only schedule, and we have to cancel your game." Well, I think that's kind of difficult.
0: By the way, here's something for you that just broke a moment ago, and I just saw this while we we're talking. The Mountain West uh, they decided to officially go with an eight-plus-two format. However, the season will begin no earlier than the week of September 26th. Hmm. So. Adrian, there goes the UTEP-Nevada game on the 12th right out the window. Just like that.
2: Wow, that's crazy right there. It's just a breaking news
0: and when they're going to start. The start date dictates everything right there. Yep, unbelievable. So there you go. So that story breaks, and that's what I'm saying. It's a fluid situation. As Jeff is talking about, so many things are happening uh, hour by hour when it comes to this that you really got to keep on top of it. And right? how many okay. campus
2: shutdowns have we already seen? We've seen you know, Rutgers, Michigan State. Uh, they had like massive breakouts, like uh, in the 20s and 30s. Northwestern, my alma mater, had one, and they decided to shut down workouts for a little bit of time. I think that's the, I think that's the smart play. Uh, and I might be biased, but you know, and before it becomes a multiplayer situation, the first instance you see of that, close it down for a few days. Yeah, you you might fall behind schedule, but guess what? This whole season is behind schedule.
0: Great way to look at it. More with Jeff from RotoWire as we continue, but first, right back to Adrian. Let's get a bottom of the hour Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. Jeff Erickson back with us from Rodawire.com as we continue. Um, I want to ask you about players that are either off to great starts or terrible starts and, and what you think is going to happen. So let's start with the guys off to great starts this year. And uh, Tyler Chatwood has been amazing for the Cubs. And I know it's still very early and he's only had two starts this season. But you imagine 19 strikeouts and just under 13 innings and an ERA of Point seventy one with a pair of wins.
2: Yeah, you know, and I, I streamed him for his first start, knowing that I because you know, I was hurting. You, know, you remember that first weekend we only had three three games for most teams, and I was like, okay, someone pitches this weekend. Okay, Chet was at home, fine. It's against the Brewers. It's not great, but you know, it could be. You know, it's not a horrible matchup. And then the other option was be, you know, then you know you got you got him at home against the Pirates for his next start. Okay, well, let's try it out. Turns out that worked out really well. But the, other, the sneaky thing about Tyler Chatwood is he's throwing a lot harder. Uh, and that always works out well. It sets up everything else. He's always had a very interesting curveball. Command has often been his issue. But the turnabout is that, you know, you get a lot of strikeouts with that sort of package, and that's what we're getting here. Uh, yeah. and that, that's, that's one thing that's really nice.
0: He's only 5'11". I mean, he's not a tall pitcher at all. But, man, when you bring that velocity, especially at a, with a smaller, smaller package like that, it, it, it can add something to you.
2: Yeah, and that's one of the things in baseball right now. Everybody's adding velocity. Uh, the driveline folks are doing a good job with that, and I think that's the starting point. You know, mm-hmm. there's been plenty of studies. You add a couple of miles an hour, to that fastball it makes a huge difference. And, you know, it seems like that in this, from what I've read, a little bit of this, this started at the end of the year last year, uh, average fat you know, some of this was him pitching in relief. Some of this was just him changing it, his, uh, or, uh, you know, his his I think his uh, workout uh, routine to add that velocity went from 93 to 95.9 miles an hour on his fastball. That's a bigger jump than average when you just than a the mere like going merely going from uh, you know uh, starting to relieving. It's something more than that, and that's just something to kind of watch for to see if that happens. So you know the problem for the Cubs, of course, is they you know Craig Kimbrell has imploded on them. So they need oh. it. they they they're still lacking that shutdown closer. Rowan Wick has gotten the job done so far, but you know they need now chatwood to really keep this up
0: they sure do uh meanwhile speaking of guys that are off to great starts uh how about uh, what we've seen uh, at least uh, early on from Christian Javier in Houston
2: looks good uh the 12% walk rate in the minors is what's scary but two good starts against tough competition no less too, against the Dodgers and Diamondbacks that's not not exactly easing in there it's not like he's fa- he, he got to face the Mariners and their their strikeout tendencies he's, he's he Got a pretty tough spot there, and he, he's come through. So that's and uh, talk about a team that desperately needs it too. The Houston Astros are just been decimated in their pitching staff. Uh, one might argue, there's you know, and the thing is, you don't want to even invoke karma because it wasn't like their pitchers were the ones that were cheating; it was the hitters. But um, so far, they, they look, re- you know, Javier looks really good, uh, and he did a good job there of like limiting exposure to the bullpen. That was a pretty big deal.
0: Who so are you buying in Houston right now to replace Roberto Asuna?
2: It's Presley's got the leading candidate, but health is obviously the big concern.
0: I wonder, just because, um, you know, there have been some good early results uh, in in Houston with relievers, I really wonder if we could possibly see uh, a guy with very little experience get an opportunity like Blake Taylor.
2: Yeah, he he looked really good on Sunday uh, closing out that game. Uh, he wasn't the first choice, though. To, uh, working in the minor league, uh, minor the extra innings there on that Sunday game where it went 11 innings. So, uh, but he, he's really looked good. I think seven innings so far, good strikeout rate. Uh, he, he hasn't been, you know, hit really scratched yet. So, yeah, they need they need him to step up. Because keep in mind, it's not just Asuna that's uh, down right now. Joe Smith isn't even with the team. Uh, the, you know, Davinsky's on the IL. They, they they are down a number of pitchers in the bullpen and in the rotation. So. They need someone like Taylor. I think I read somewhere that they, between uh, the, the, the majors and their taxi squad, they have 10 rookie pitchers, and I think eight of them have already made their debut.
0: Paris of shortstops off to great starts. Dansby Swanson in Atlanta and also J.P. Crawford in Seattle. Who do you think has a chance to keep it up?
2: I think Swanson's got a slightly better chance. He showed a little bit of this before getting hurt last year. Remember, he got hit by a pitch, and he really wasn't quite the same. Uh, and now... Now that Ozzie Alves, Ozzie Alves is on the I.L., Swanson's going to be hitting two for quite a while here for the So That's a great spot in the lineup for him, too. Uh, Crawford's interesting. I, I think that, you know, I, I, I wonder if he has enough pop to keep that, to sustain that. In the past, he, he's been a little bit too less uh, of a, you know, too much of a punch-and-judy hitter. And not enough power brought to the table, so opposing pitchers have been able to overpower him. If he's got that, if this next step is for real though, this is interesting because he's, he could be a really nice cheap source of speed.
0: Really could be. Uh, Donovan Solano is off to a terrific start with the Giants. Are you buying that, or is that just a great first week?
2: I think I'm renting it for this particular week in cores. Although he didn't even start yesterday, which was kind of uh, kind of frustrating. Uh, but he's kind of a journeyman, you know. Got, yeah, every once in a while, a guy a guy like this will break through. I'd say it's more likely than not though that he's just caught lightning in a bottle.
0: I'll tell you who has been great so far as Trent Grisham in San Diego, yep. and uh, boy, I mean he's a guy that played well last year. We all know about what happened in the playoffs for Cleveland, but now that he's in San Diego and they've given him a chance to play every day in center, he could have an opportunity to become a really nice ball player for the Padres,
2: yeah, absolutely, and you know that 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 play against the Nats was unfortunate, you know how and but he was hardly the only problem in that inning. He was just the last part, the most – and, I, and I, I don't think that trade happens, but for that play is the funny thing. Uh, yeah, he's, he's settling in quite nicely at the top of that order. Uh, and meanwhile, the Brewers haven't had an inning out of Luis Urias yet because of the COVID issue for him. So, you know, so far it's looking good for them. And one thing is he takes a lot of pitches, he takes a lot of walks, sets the tone for the rest of that order. Um, and it's, it's worked out pretty well.
0: Really has. Hey, uh, meanwhile, what's wrong with Madison Bumgarner and uh, suddenly losing three or four miles per hour off your fastball?
2: Oof, yeah. And he was already a guy that kind of, you know, struggled on the road a lot last couple of years, especially last year. Really bad home road splits. He lose that velocity, and bad things happen. We saw that last night against Houston. Uh, you saw this previous stars where it really got pointed out that like he had a decent results outing without. But but if you looked at the velocity, it was down that start too, you know. He's had velocity scares in spring training before, but this, this seems pretty extreme.
0: He's also been a slow starter before, but it's August now. That's the thing, is that I know he's been a slow starter in, in March and April, but it's different when you start this time of year.
2: Yeah, this whole accelerated start has been a big problem, and it's not just the injuries, which have been a huge issue, but also in performances like this, there's been velocity down for a number of pitchers so far this year, and I think that's related.
0: Absolutely right. Hey, uh, at the mean, you know, in the meantime, what do you expect from rookie Joe Adele?
2: Uh, You know, he's had some plate discipline issues. He's really fast trying to grow into that power. I'd like to see a little bit, you know, I, I, I'm impressed that the angels are committing to him. You know, they're, although all you have to do is look at Justin Upton's line and you can kind of see why uh, that they did that, you know, Upton's worse than he was last year so far. So they're going into a platoon with he and uh, with Brian Goodwin and just, you know, and Joe Madden said it best. You call up a guy like this, you got to let him play. You know, you can't just call him up and platoon him. Rockies should take note. Although, of course, the Rockies are playing well hmm. right now, but uh, the you know, Rockies treat their prospects in the opposite sort of fashion. So, uh, I, I think this is the better way.
0: Are we seeing the beginning of the end of Justin Upton now that uh, Adele is up at this point?
2: Yeah, I think he's a cut right now. Unless you're in a nail-only league, I think that's a big problem. You're just you can't. He's on the wrong side of the platoon didn't even play yesterday with Shohei Atani sitting out. Uh, there was a right-hander on the mound, but they had Tommy Lastella on instead go ahead and be the, the DH yesterday. So that's one of the things I kind of watch for a little bit. And I, I think it's uh, probably a tough time for uh, Upton if you have him right now. Uh, bench at, at best and probably a cut.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. Imagine if you traded for form in a dynasty league, what that's like. Are you speaking from experience? Absolutely. <laughs> traded away, uh, traded away um, Dickerson of Pittsburgh in a package to get him, not realizing this would turn into a, the disaster that it is. Boy, you, know, it, you know,
2: and you know the cliff came fast for him too, and
0: he got did. hurt. Two years he ago, he was strange, hitting thirty strange, home runs, Jeff. Two years ago,
2: I know, but that strange injury last year that lingered four months instead of four weeks. You know, that it, all of a sudden he, he seems like he's a different player now.
0: Not a good one. No. <laughs>
2: No, sir. It's much like his older brother, who oh, hit a cliff pretty quickly in his career too.
0: That's that's true. That's true. Well, then again, he changed his name from BJ to Melvin. I would have gone. I think he did go back to BJ, but by the time he did, it was too late. So yeah, bad right. bad juju there. There you go. Hey, uh, give us an update of what you've got on the website right now. Not just for baseball, but for everything.
2: Oh, football is. Uh, you know, training camps opening up, so we have a training camp notes for. You know, every day we've got that. We're covering uh, the. Uh, the opt-out deadline for tomorrow uh, in the NFL is a big deal. Of course, hoops and hockey is going, too. Isn't it great to have sports all day long? I, I'm, I'm loving it right now.
0: It is, especially if you're working from home, right? And absolutely right. Terrific stuff. Rotowire.com, check it out, folks. You can also get a free 10-day trial subscription without even having to put a credit card down. I believe that's at rotowire.com slash trial, correct?
2: Uh, rotowire.com slash free.
0: One of these I days, I'm going to get it. But I know
2: Free does for sure.
0: One of these days, I'm going to figure out how to do that. I'll, I'll, I'll try to make sure I put that as a mental note for it's next all right, next it's show. All good. Good job, Jeff. Thanks for the time. As always, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Pete. More on the Mountain West decision that broke during the conversation with Jeff Erickson as Sports Talk continues and the implications it could have on the miners here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Guest. We've had a guest every hour, and I think this guest is so appropriate. I mean, Adrian... We timed this perfectly, didn't we? We knew the Mountain West was going to decide exactly 30 minutes before uh, Jeff Grammer was going to join us live on the phones.
3: Yeah, this is perfect breaking news right here and real-time updates right here. I love it. I love the fact that we're getting
0: Jeff on. Yeah, we planned this perfectly. We really did. You can follow Jeff on Twitter, at Jeff Grammer that is at Jeff with a G grammar on Twitter writes for the Albuquerque journal. He's joined us over the years and he joins us today here on sports talk. Well, you know, I'm so happy that we don't have to speculate what's going to happen. At least we now know what the mountain West is going to do, even though I'm sure uh, you're busy trying to put a story together and uh, handle an interview at the same time.
3: Well, I'll tell you what, that like, I wish this ended the speculation. I, I think it, we get a step closer. Um, we know what the Mountain West says they're going to do if there is a season, and, and I, I think this uh, sort of gets us maybe a step closer to saying, look, they are going to go ahead and, and try this. But I, I think there's still there's still at least a certain element of all of this, especially at the group of five level, that is sort of awaiting to see if anybody else jumps ship first and if the NCAA cancels fall championships, which – technically don't apply to football. It's the weird sort of the NCAA actually doesn't do the national championship for football. They do for all other sports. But if if they cancel fall sports at the division one level for everything else, I I think there's going to be a hard time um, from be it title nine or or just other reasons uh, for schools across the country to convince their regions and their university communities that they can go forward with football only this fall if they are canceling volleyball and cross country and everything else. So, I still think there's some other shoes to fall. But, yeah, we, we look like we're a step closer in, in this neck of the woods anyway with the Mountain West to uh, to knowing that they are going to go forward with trying to play some football, and it's going to be uh, an eight-conference game format with uh, two non-conference games.
0: Doesn't it seem crazy that you could cancel every other sport in Division One? but football, which clearly would have the most risk as far as contact goes during a time where clearly everybody's trying to avoid each other versus hit each other.
3: Yeah, I mean without question, there's there's a lot of um, opening up of, uh, of uh, I guess, hypocrisy is, is sort of what we're going to look at here. Is football going to be worth it financially to take the risks that you're at the same time saying aren't worth taking for these other sports because if you're saying if you're on the side or you're in the camp that the risks physically and health-wise aren't there for football that it's worth playing because those risks just aren't aren't around enough in your mind that you're okay with them playing football well then why would you cancel any of those other sports so it's going to be an interesting kind of tap dance that I think a lot of athletic directors, university presidents, conference commissioners are going to have to do if they do cancel any of those other sports. And at the FBS or the, the Division One level, that hasn't really happened yet. There's been some delays. There's been some we're-going conference-only decisions. But they haven't made the final decisions to cancel the volleyballs and the cross-countries just yet.
0: Were you expecting... September 26th to be the earliest competition as far as fall sports goes for uh, nope. the Mountain West?
3: No, I wasn't. And and I I thought they were going to go with an 8-plus-2 or a 9-plus-1, and I kind of mentioned that. You and I had spoken. I I thought they were going to go to an, either an 8- or a 9-conference game schedule, and they were going to open it up to one or two conference games. And I did know that Air Force was really the main reason for that. There's There's no way the Mountain West, is going to you know their commissioner and their presidents are going to be the ones to say no. The the commander in chief trophy isn't, isn't really going to be played this year because we as a conference aren't going to let Air Force do it. So if they're going to let Air Force play Army and Navy, they're going to add two non conference games, and and that's really kind of the decision on why they played why they allowed two um, non conference games. I think they might have pushed for a nine conference game, maybe even a ten, um, only just play just play conference games. Because the, the thought in that realm is at least in a conference you can establish some parameters and some protocols where if a team violates them, you have some authority over them and say, look, we, we see that you let your, your players do this or that. We're going gonna, to you know, dock you some of the money we pay you for a TV contract or we're going to punish you in whatever ways conferences can do that. Non-conference games don't have that same sort of authority. The conference commissioner of the Mountain West can't tell New Mexico State what to do when UNM and UN or UNM and NMSU were going to play. So I do think that there's sure. some some of that at play here, but ultimately, you know, look, I I'm I'm a little surprised that the Mountain West did go with the September 26th date. That was one thing I didn't have on my radar, but, but maybe I shouldn't have been. Maybe I I probably just uh, was overlooking that.
0: The Lobos and Aggies are scheduled to play on September the 19th, a week earlier. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. I was thinking maybe UTEP gives them the 26th, which was the date the Aggies were supposed to play, and then New Mexico State comes up and and plays them earlier, although they're supposed to play Akron on the 12th, which would have been the possible game which UTEP had against Nevada. So what do you think is going to happen in terms of the Aggies, Lobos, and how that game is going to get rescheduled?
3: Well, what's interesting is, and and Nicole Arabak from – from um, the athletic is who, who actually broke this story when when she talked with Eddie, who said they were gonna they were looking at actually moving the New Mexico State New Mexico the New Mexico game up to August twenty ninth to that week zero spot in the schedule. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously that's not going to happen now. So you're kind of back to their original scheduled date was September nineteenth, which now can't be played either. But that's just a week off of what they were supposed to do. And New Mexico does have a September twenty sixth opening on their schedule. So I do think that. Um, You know, there's going to be a lot of a lot of playing around with New Mexico's schedule up here, and and I I think as long as they get the New Mexico State game in, I don't think the Lobos are going to mind too much when that game is played. Um, I I could be wrong, Mario and Eddie. Certainly, um, the two ADs probably have already had this discussion on some level, but um, uh, I I think that that you know that second non-conference game for UNM is is going to be really interesting. I Obviously, UNM is going to listen to all callers and all comers. And if somebody wants to pay them, you know, they're not paying like $1.5 million by games in the last minute kind of games. But if somebody wants to give them any kind of money, any kind of real money, I think they have to listen to it. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think a, a bus ride trip down to El Paso would be an awful uh, tempting sort of uh, second non-conference game for the Lobos.
0: Now, that's another question okay, is how this whole thing's going to work. Now, if the schedule can just be shifted and games could be moved and flexed into different weeks, then I could see that as a possibility. But we're not there yet, Jeff, are we? We we just know right now that dates are still set, and there really hasn't been much in terms of flexing games to to other weeks.
3: Right. I mean, for whatever it's worth, I'm, I'm looking right now on my laptop as I talk to you guys on, on the GoLobos.com website, and their schedule hasn't taken off even the USC game, which we know the Pac-12 isn't playing the Lobos, and the Mississippi State game on September 12th, those are still on the Lobo schedule. So they, they haven't officially even moved any of those games off their schedule yet, and they're doing that probably, I'm, I'm sure, on some level strategically. They, they want to say this is our schedule until we, we get our money from those schools, if they're going to get any kind of money for, for those schools, technically being the ones who backed out of the game. Um, but they they haven't moved anything yet, and I haven't talked to um, since the Mountain West news got made official. I haven't talked to anybody yet to know for sure how flexible the Mountain West is going to be in those extra games, in those non-conference games, and and what that means. Are they gonna Are they gonna allow New Mexico to maybe bump a a conference game with the Colorado State to make sure they get that New Mexico State game in, or something like that? Just just kind of randomly throwing out teams there, but I don't know yet how in. Set in stone even that eight conference game schedule is for the mountain west
0: such a great point it, it really is and and again that's why this whole thing is is so so much up in the air now now jeff there's also the possibility we need to bring this up um that new mexico state new mexico could end up playing games conceivably in the Sun Bowl.
3: yeah i mean look so so here's the next step for anybody that hasn't followed what's going on in new mexico right now is Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham sent a letter to both universities and and the Division II universities as well, but um, for our purposes, New Mexico and New Mexico State, and basically said, I'm asking you guys not to play fall sports. So what we're still dealing with here is New Mexico has some restrictions in place right now that are twofold. They're still going to, at some point, if the NCAA doesn't cancel the season somehow or somebody else doesn't make this decision to cancel football, Then New Mexico and New Mexico State's Board of Regents get to go pick a fight with the governor or get to decide they're not going to play and and do what the governor has asked them to do, which is not play football this fall. But the other part of that is even take that letter and that request from Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham, take that off the table. What she also has in place, at least for right now, it could be relaxed by then, but she has an executive order that requires a 14-day quarantine period for anybody traveling into New Mexico, whether it be out of New Mexico for travel or for business and, and back into the state, anybody coming to New Mexico is required to do a 14-day quarantine right now. And the only exceptions for that are to, to leave the house for medical purposes or if you're an essential worker, which obviously college athletes would not be considered essential workers. So there, there's a couple hurdles in place for New Mexico and New Mexico State right now that aren't facing all these other schools across the country and FBS schools with football. So they got a lot on their plate right now.
0: A ton on their plate. But then again, so far next, New Mexico United has figured out a, a loophole to uh, Governor Lujan's uh, decision, and you wonder if that could be where the Aggies and Lobos end up going.
3: Well, absolutely. I mean, obviously, the, when I reported about two weeks ago now when New Mexico United, the USL team, obviously El Paso is familiar with, um, when they started playing in the restart for the USL season, They've had now four matches, um, and all of them have been on the road because gatherings aren't allowed in New Mexico. They're the only team in the USL right now not allowed to have home matches. But there's also the travel quarantine. When they were coming back to state to, to New Mexico from Colorado Springs, twice from El Paso, and now from Oklahoma City, those are the four matches they've played. When they came back, they were supposed to be quarantining, we all thought. Well, the one exemption to the quarantine is for medical purposes. And the team is basically using, and with the governor's approval, apparently, um, not apparently, the governor's office says they are aware of this, the exemption for medical. And that is to say that pro athletes shouldn't and can't be playing these high-level matches without training in between matches. So they've been practicing here in Albuquerque and basically saying it's a a medical necessity that they do so. At first, a lot of people that are Lobo and Aggie fans, especially here in the Albuquerque area and and others, we're just up in arms, just really furious about how in the world are they getting away with that? How is she letting them get away with that? That's unfair. But the next step to that is, okay, well, wait a minute. Instead of getting mad, why don't we use that to, to sort of explain away how we're going to be able to do it? Because if that travel quarantine is still in place when the college football season starts, UNM and NMSU are going to have to find a way around it as well if they play any out-of-state games. So I do think that right now it's more of a, instead of being mad, that New Mexico United Soccer is practicing instead of quarantining, I think UNM and NMSU both are probably looking at it more along the lines of, well, how can we do the same?
0: I know that New Mexico State's athletic department is, uh, is going to be taking a huge hit with uh, losing almost $3 million in, in those money games against Florida and UCLA. Knowing also that New Mexico is out for their money games, what will the hit be like for them and what, are, what is the athletic department in terms of their financial shape compared to New Mexico State?
3: Well, for for the two programs, it's a combined about four point seven million lost in in guarantee games, and um, it's about two point five, I believe, is the breakdown for for New Mexico State and what they're going to lose in guarantee games. And UNM's at about one point two million. Interesting enough, they they got one million fifty thousand dollars was their guarantee their deal for USC. They had a hundred thousand of that advanced to them back in two thousand sixteen with some previous issues with, with finances. They basically UNM needed the money and and USC gave them a hundred thousand of that guarantee four years ago. So I don't know what happens with that now. I know they're renegotiating either a future game or give us the money, whatever, you know, UNM can get out of it. Um, since the PAC 12, two backed out. So that, that takes care of the money games, at least the guarantee game situation. Um, New Mexico has not yet turned in its budget. New Mexico state has balanced its athletics budget. Um, New Mexico does have a couple other things that happened in the spring that New Mexico State doesn't have to deal with. There's revenue of a, a state high school basketball tournament that while they finished the tournament back in March, the last three days did not have fans in attendance. There was all the the state championships for track, baseball, and softball are played at UNM every year. Those didn't get played, so there was some money there, including parking. And all parking for Albuquerque Isotopes Baseball and New Mexico United Soccer all the parking lots are owned by UNM, so those are actually pretty big revenue sources that UNM didn't get, so that's going to add to their deficit. I think their deficit's going to be north of $3 million, so it's going to be a little bit more than they didn't get parking. Um, they're they're hurting right now. I think they're going to post a, a deficit for the, this past fiscal year of over $3 million.
0: Can the governor offer financial aid and assistance to the schools with the losses they're going to have?
3: Uh, can she? Yes. Do I expect her to? No. She's been, if nothing else, she's been pretty consistent on, on a few things, and that is she's she's been pretty, pretty strong and and restrictive on on all COVID matters. All you know, she's shut down restaurants and and high school sports and things like that before other states did that kind of stuff. I don't think she's going to be overly generous with money when it comes to college athletics.
0: Jeff Grammer joining us from Albuquerque, Albuquerque Journal um, covers New Mexico sports, uh, University of New Mexico Lobos. Do you think this whole thing if you had to predict, okay, and I just asked you what do you think's going to happen with football? do you think they do you think when it's all said and done and the smoke clears, we're talking about college football in the spring
3: I do my look i i I'd be wrong to not tell you that in since mid march I've had about seventeen different ideas about whether or not football was going to be played, and uh where I'm at right now, and I think reading the tea leaves right now i'm I'm in a place now where I just don't see how it's going to happen this fall. And if it doesn't happen this fall, obviously the the logical next step is that it would happen in the spring. We have no guarantees that anything is going to be a whole lot different in terms of the pandemic and and numbers and whatever the decision is going to be made on. If it's, you know, numbers or protocols, we don't know that any of that's going to change by next February. So I know late February is when they're going to start high school football. I would assume late February is when they would start college football as well, um, or sometime in February, or maybe even early March. But that said, we, we don't know that anything is really going to be different then either. So I do understand the lure of, if we can get in a season now, we might as well do it now, because who knows if it's going to be any different in the spring. But if I'm if I'm putting money down right now, my prediction is that there will not be fall football at the college level this year.
0: This call came in off-air from uh, Mario in Las Cruces. He wants to know why does jeff hate the aggies and love the lobos <laughs>
3: um well i i have no problem whatsoever answering that i i as many know um I, I shouldn't presume that maybe nobody knows but i did go to new mexico state i was the student editor at the paper there i was once the editor of the las cruces sun news very familiar with new mexico state athletics Loved new mexico State and the aggies up until they got this new athletic director some guy named mario And um, until then, man, I I was all about the Aggies, and now I just hate them completely.
0: (laughs) That's a great answer. I love it. I'm sure
3: sure sarcasm comes over really well on the radio for people not familiar with me, right?
0: Oh, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Well, you look, you want to learn more about Jeff, follow him on Twitter. Uh, That is at Jeff Grammer on Twitter, at Jeff Grammer on Twitter. Check out his work uh, online with uh, the Albuquerque Journal. He does a terrific job, and you can check him out at AB abqjournal.com that's abqjournal.com jeff always a pleasure love the conversation and uh, can't wait to see uh, the next uh, chapter in what is definitely a a sports soap opera like we've never seen before yeah let's do it again soon we'll look forward to it take care Thanks. when Thanks, we guys. come Bye. back more sports talk including charlie one he's standing by he's got a traffic update for us right now charlie how are we doing